Good morning. Welcome to With God at Dawn. Today we're going to talk about the education that we were to have in our homes, what God has instructed us from his word. Let's begin with prayer. Dear Jesus, please help us to understand not only our duties, but also the pleasures that you have provided for us in training our children, making our homes a little place of heaven on earth. In your name we pray. Amen. Deuteronomy 6, 7 through 9 is our first verse, verses. <laughs> and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontless between thine eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. Well, what is this that we are to do? Let's look back. Um, beginning of verse 3, he explains what that is. He's saying, Hear, O Israel, observe to do, to do it. Would you want to go back further? Okay. The very beginning of chapter 6 is probably where I should have started because it says, These are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you that you might do them in the land where you're going to possess it, that you might fear the Lord to keep all his statutes, his commandments, which I command thee, and thy son and thy son's son all the days of thy life, that thy days may be prolonged. So God wants us to keep his commandments so that our days will be prolonged, so that we can live longer. Because obviously there's health in obedience, isn't there? And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. And that's the first four commandments as to loving God and how he wants us to show that we love him. Alrighty. We are to teach them diligently. The word of God should be the topic of daily conversation in our home and out of it. We don't hear much of that these days, do we? We are to teach the children about the giving of the law, verses 9 through 13. And thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and on thy gates. And it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you great and goodly cities which you did not build, and houses full of all good things which you did not fill them with, and wells dig which you did not dig, and vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant. When you will have eaten and be full, then beware, lest you forget the Lord which brought you forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God and serve him, and shalt swear by his name. I wonder what that means to swear by his name. Second hmm. Timothy three fifteen. And that from a child, this is Paul speaking to Timothy. That from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. A knowledge of the word of God will give wisdom. Wow. Second Timothy three sixteen and 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished into all good works. I just want to point out here inspiration. What's inspiration? You know, you have inspirations and expirations. We have an expiration dates on things at the store. That we have 
we expire, we breathe in, we breathe out. Um, the breath of God is his life, that's his spirit. Jesus told his disciples, he breathed on him them and said, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. The inspiration of God, God inspired. So we, okay, I'm not going to try to make any connections here. I'm not, I'm not going to go any further. I'm just kind of interested in that. Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Stop there. I could get myself in trouble. Let's see. Okay, so this knowledge will prepare us for every good work. 2 Timothy 1.5. should be careful about what I talk about when I haven't had a chance to think about it yet. Okay, 2 Timothy 1.5. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded that in you also. Such knowledge will prepare a man for every good work, and often when a mother is faithful in teaching her children, God will mention her name, and he did here through Paul. 1 Timothy 4.12 Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Six things in which the young who are properly taught will be an example. So when our children are properly taught, they'll be an example in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity, in conversation. Let's see. Conversation, charity, spirit, faith, purity. In word. Oh, in word, in conversation, charity, spirit, faith, purity. Yeah, that's six things. Um... Esther 2.20 Esther 2 verse 20 Esther had not yet showed her kindred nor her people as Mordecai had charged her for Esther did the commandment of Mordecai like as when she was brought up with him. Children properly educated will obey their parents after they are grown. Genesis 45, 7 and 8. And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. This is Joseph speaking. So now it was not you that sent me hither, but God, and he has made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Children that are educated after God's plan, they can be sent as foreign missionaries at an early age. Do we know how old Joseph was when he went? I know he was young. Patriarchs and Prophets, page 244. Moses. So we're going to talk about um, Moses. Remember that the, the queen's daughter found him in the river and she was paying his mother uh, to take care of him. So she kept the boy as long as she could, but she was obliged to give him up when he was about 12. From his humble cabin home, he was taken to a royal palace 
to the daughter of Pharaoh, and he became her son. Yet, even here, he did not lose the impressions that he received in childhood. The lessons learned at his mother's side could not be forgotten. They were a shield from the pride, the infidelity, and the vice that flourished amid the splendor of the court. How far-reaching in its results was the influence of that one Hebrew woman, and she an exile and a slave. The whole future life of Moses, the great mission which he fulfilled as the leader of Israel, testifies to the importance of the work of the Christian mother. There is no other work that can equal this. To a very great extent, the mother holds in her own hands the destiny of her children. She is dealing with developing minds and characters, working not alone for them, but not alone for time, but for eternity. She's sowing seed that will spring up and bear fruit, either for good or for evil. She has not to paint a form of beauty upon a canvas or to chisel it from marble, but to impress upon a human soul the image of the divine, especially during their early years. Responsibility rests upon her of forming the character of her children. The impressions now made upon their developing minds will remain with them all through life. Parents should direct the instruction and training of their children while very young to the end that they may be Christians. They're placed in our care to be trained, not as heirs to a throne of an earthly empire, but as kings unto God to reign through unending ages. Let every mother feel that her moments are priceless, her work will be tested in the solemn day of accounts, then it will be found that many of the failures and crimes of men and women have resulted from the ignorance and neglect of those whose duty it was to guide their childish feet in the right way. Then it will be found that many who have blessed the world with the light of genius and truth and holiness, they owe the principles that were the mainspring of their influence and success to a praying Christian mother. That's pretty amazing. Joshua 4, 6 and 7. Verses 6 and 7, that this may be a sign among you that when your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean you by these stones? Then you shall answer them that the waters of Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it passed over Jordan. The waters of Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be for a memorial unto the children of Israel forever. Children should be taught by the objects around them. Patriarchs and Prophets, page 572. Now we're going to talk about Hannah. Do you remember how she wanted a son and how faithful she was to raise him, little Samuel? Hannah gave a prophecy when she prayed to the Lord on the steps of the temple that day. Hannah's words were prophetic, both of David, who should reign as king of Israel, and of the Messiah, the Lord's anointed. Referring first to the boasting of an insolent and contentious woman, the song points to the destruction of the enemies of God and the final triumph of his redeemed people. From Shiloh, Hannah quietly returned to her home at Ramah, leaving the child Samuel to be trained for, oh, how hard would that be? How old was he? Was he four? Yeah, trained for service in the house of God under the instruction of the high priest. From the earliest dawn of intellect, she had taught her son to love and reverence God. 
and to regard himself as the Lord's by every familiar object surrounding him, she sought to lead his thoughts up to the Creator. When separated from her child, the faithful mother's solicitude did not cease. Every day he was the subject of her prayers. Every year she made with her own hands a robe of service for him, and as she went up with her husband to worship at Shiloh, she gave the child this reminder of her love. Every fiber of the little garment had been woven with a prayer that he might be pure, noble, and true. She did not ask for her son worldly greatness, but she earnestly pleaded that he might attain that greatness which heaven values, that he might honor God and bless his fellow men. What a reward was Hannah's, and what an encouragement to faithfulness is her example. There are opportunities of inestimable worth, interests, infinitely precious, committed to every mother. The humble round of duties which women have come to regard as a wearisome task, they should be looked upon as a grand and noble work. It's the mother's privilege to bless the world by her influence, and in doing this she will bring joy to her own heart. She may make straight paths for the feet of her children, through sunshine and shadow to the glorious heights above, but it is only when she seeks in her own life to follow the teachings of Christ that a mother can hope to form the character of her children after the divine pattern. So I wonder... Um, I wonder if she lived to see Samuel as high priest. I don't know how many years it was from the time that Eli took him in uh, to raise him and when he actually began to rule as high priest. If she got to see him there in her old age and maintain any contact at all, I just don't even know. But when you think about how they used to count the age of children, Children were counted a year old when they were born, which is why when all the um, young children were killed by the king, King Herod, when it was time for Jesus to be born, he went and killed all the children two years and under. It was actually, they were actually only one year old. Well, no, two, two years old. They had only been alive they had, from the time, sorry. They had only been one year out of the womb anyway. So they were young. And so when she says here, I wonder if the Bible says that he was four when she left him at the uh, temple. I just don't even know. Because if he was, then maybe he was really only three, according to our standards. Wow. I'm not sure, but in any case, it's still very young either way. Exodus 12, 25 to 27. And it shall come to pass when you become to the land which the Lord will give you, according as he's promised that you shall keep this service. And it shall come to pass when your children shall say unto you, What do you mean by this service? That you shall say, It's the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover, who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt, when he smote the Egyptians and delivered our houses, and the people bowed the head and worshipped. Hmm. So they're taught by object lessons such as the Passover, the annual Passover Sabbath. The book Education, page 186. 186 tells us. The use of object lessons, blackboards, maps, and pictures will be an aid in explaining lessons and fixing them in the memory. Parents and teachers should constantly seek for improved methods. The teaching of the Bible should have our freshest thought, our best methods, and our most earnest effort. In arousing and strengthening a love for Bible study, much depends on the use of the hour of worship. 
the, the hours of morning and evening worship should be the sweetest and the most helpful of the day. Let it be understood that into these hours no troubled, unkind thoughts are to intrude, that parents and children assemble to meet with Jesus and to invite into the home the presence of holy angels. Let the service be brief, full of life, adapted to the occasion, and varied from time to time. Let all join in the Bible reading and learn and often repeat God's question, questions. Repeat God's law. Excuse me. Learn and often repeat God's law. It will add to the interest of the children if they're sometimes permitted to select the reading. Question them upon it. Let them ask questions, too. Mention anything that will serve to illustrate its meaning. When the service is not thus made too lengthy, let the little ones take part in prayer. Let them join in song, if it be but a single verse. To make such a service what it should be, thought should be given to preparation, and parents should take time daily for Bible study with their children. No doubt it will require effort and planning and some sacrifice to accomplish this, but the effort will be richly repaid. Oh, can you just imagine how much different things could be in our world if women could stay home and be mothers and wives, just the way God planned it. So much has been ruined by our struggle to survive. Our home life just doesn't have the richness to it that it should have, that God would want it actually to have. All righty, so let's see. Exodus 13, verse 8. And thou shalt show thy son in that day, saying, This is done because of that which the Lord did unto me when I came forth out of Egypt. That's what they're talking about here. It's saying here, Okay, I'm going to start back at verse 5. It shall be when the Lord shall bring you into the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, which he swear unto thy father to give thee a land flowing with milk and honey, that you will keep this service in this month. Seven days you will eat unleavened bread, and in the seventh day shall be a feast to the Lord. Unleavened bread shall be eaten seven days, and there shall be no leavened bread to be seen with thee, neither shall there be leaven seen with thee in all thy quarters. And thou shalt show thy son in that day, saying, This is done because of that which the Lord did unto me when I came forth out of Egypt. So it's a remembering object lesson. And we're taught by customs. First Timothy 1, 4. I'm going to adjust my page here. For I do not wish to lose my place. First Timothy 1, 4. give heed to fables and endless genealogies which minister questions rather than godly edifying which is in faith to do fictitious reading should be discarded don't give heed to fables and endless genealogies which minister questions okay don't read fables fictitious reading should be discarded testimonies volume 2 page 410 Many of the young are eager for books. They read everything they can obtain 
exciting love stories, impure pictures have a corrupting influence. Novels are eagerly perused by many, and as a result, their imagination becomes defiled. In the cars, speaking of the trains in those days, I think, photographs of females in a state of nudity are frequently circulated for sale. These disgusting pictures were also found in Dagurian saloons and are hung upon the walls of those who deal in engravings. This is an age when corruption is teeming everywhere. The, last, the lust of the eye and corrupt passions are aroused by beholding and by reading. The heart is corrupted through the imagination. So our heart can become corrupted by our imagination. The mind takes pleasure in contemplating scenes which awaken the lower and baser passions. These vile images seen through defiled imagination corrupt the morals and prepare the deluded, infatuated beings to give loose rein to lustful passions. Then follow sin and crimes which drag beings formed in the image of God down to a level with the beasts, sinking them at last in perdition. Avoid reading and seeing things which will suggest impure thoughts. Cultivate the moral and intellectual powers. Let not these noble powers become enfeebled and perverted by much reading of even storybooks. I know of strong minds that have been unbalanced, partially benumbed or paralyzed by intemperance in reading. So it's like we're a um, self-programming computer. First we see or hear a thing. Then our mind takes that information in and goes to work and begins to create neural pathways and thoughts. And those thoughts create different thoughts and different Neural pathways and habits become um, become set in, and we're training ourselves to become something that was never God's plan. Because uh, sex and marriage, it was meant to be something very intimate and private, something very sacred between a husband and his wife. It was not to be like the animals that just made at will in the public and don't care who sees and they're not loyal to each other. We've ruined so many things. Or Satan has. Everything that God has made, Satan has pretty much ruined, hasn't he? Okay, let's see. Where was I? First Timothy 4.7 Refuse profane writing. First Timothy 4.7 But refuse profane and old wives' fables. And exercise thyself rather unto godliness. Education, page 277. 277. Oh, am I on the right wire? Did I say two, oh, 227? Oh, good. That scared me for a second there. Okay. Hmm. How many modern authors also might be said? Let's see. Where should I start? I think I should start back just uh, a tiny bit. Let me go back a little. All right, 225, What are the works on which throughout most susceptible years of life the minds of the youth are led to dwell? In the study of language and literature, from what fountains are the youth taught to drink? From the wells of paganism, from springs fed by the corruption of ancient heathendom, they are bidden to study authors of whom without dispute it is declared that they have no regard for the principles of morality. Well, that's the truth. I remember 
in school. There were certain books we were supposed to study and read. How many modern authors also might be this, the same be said with how many are grace and beauty of language but a disguise for principles that in their real deformity would repel the reader. Besides these, there is a multitude of fiction writers luring to pleasant dreams and palaces of ease. These writers may not be open to the charge of immorality, yet their work is no less really fraught with evil. It's robbing thousands upon thousands of the time and energy and self-discipline demanded by the stern problems of life. In the study of science, generally pursued, there are dangers equally great. Evolution and its kindred errors are taught in schools of every grade, from the kindergarten to the college. Thus, the study of science, which should impart a knowledge of God, is so mingled with speculation and theory of men that it tends to infidelity. Is that the truth? Once people begin to believe in evolution, pretty soon they become... Uh, uh, oh, what is it when you don't believe in God? But they don't believe in God. Anyway. Um, even Bible study, as too often conducted in the schools, is robbing the world of the priceless treasure of the Word of God, the work of higher criticism in dissecting, conjecturing, reconstructing, reconstructing, as destroying faith in the Bible as a divine revelation. It's robbing God's Word of power to control, uplift, and inspire human lives. Um, I didn't see that in my lifetime, but I saw it in my sisters. She was younger than me. And they began to question what's real and what isn't and whether or not it could be a miracle or with somebody making something up. And um, this higher criticism led to where you, they felt they could question everything in the Bible instead of just taking God's word. So it says here, As the youth go out into the world to encounter its allurements to sin, the passion for money-getting, for amusement, for indulgence, for display, for luxury and extravagance, the overreaching, the fraud, the robbery and ruin. What are the teachings there to be met? Spiritualism asserts that men are unfallen demigods, that spiritualism can be taken in more ways than just whatever messages people get from the supposed dead, actually that are evil spirits, but um, it, you can spiritualize away a, a fact in the Bible and take something virtual and make it um, parabolic. And so they that's spiritualizing away God's truth. And in this way, many people avoid having to do something that God tells them to do. They spiritualize it away. And that will be equally evil. It says here that each mind will judge itself. That true knowledge places men above all law. That all sin... Oh, spiritualism. This is what it says. Spiritualism asserts that men are unfallen demigods, that each mind will judge itself. And we're going to be awfully kind to ourselves, aren't we? That true knowledge places men above law, that all sins committed are innocent, for whatever is, is right, and God does not condemn. The basest of human beings it represents as in heaven and highly exalted there. Thus it declares to all men that it doesn't matter what you do. Live as you please. Heaven's your home. Multitudes are thus led to believe that desire is the highest law, that license is liberty, and that man is accountable only to himself. Eeks. That's kind of scary to think how we have, how, how Satan has deceived people. Alrighty, so where were we? 1 Timothy 6.20 O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust, Avoid profane and vain babblings and opposition of science, falsely so-called. 
Wow. Shun science is falsely so-called. That's not in agreement with God's word. It's, it's false science. Wouldn't you agree? Deuteronomy 11. This is our final reference. Deuteronomy 11, 19 to 21. And you shall teach them your children, speaking of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. And you shall write them upon the doorposts of thine house and upon thy gates, that your days may be multiplied in the days of your children and the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers to give them, as the days of heaven upon the earth. Wow. Now here's uh, a promise. I want to read the next two verses anyway, even if it's not listed. It says here, For if you will diligently keep these commandments, which I command you to do them, to love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and to cleave unto him, then will the Lord drive out all these nations from before you, and you shall possess greater nations and mightier than yourself. Every place whereon the soles of your feet shall tread will be yours, from the wilderness, from Lebanon, from the river, Unto the uttermost sea shall your coast be, and no man will be able to stand before you. You see, this was conditional promise, wasn't it? The Lord said that if, if you will diligently keep these commandments, then, and then he said what he would do. But as we know from history, sadly, we can see what actually happened to them, because they did not. So teaching the word of God in the home as God directs will make the home as the days of heaven upon earth. Hallelujah. Okay, let me go back and just summarize the things which we have just covered. We are to teach the Word of God diligently in our homes. It should be a topic of daily conversation. We should teach the children about the giving of the law. A knowledge of the Word of God will give wisdom. It is said that the study of the Bible is calculated to increase mental acuity more than any other subject or any other kind of study. Okay, so back to my reading here. Uh, a knowledge of the word of God will give wisdom. Such knowledge will prepare a man for every good work. So studying God's word makes us capable of any and every work that's brought to us. Often when a mother was faithful in teaching her children, God mentioned her name. There are six things in which the young who are properly taught will be an example. We read those things. Children properly educated will obey their parents even after they are grown. Children educated after God's plan can be sent as foreign missionaries, even at an early age. And then we looked at the different ones who were. There was Joseph. There was Samuel. Um, children should be taught by the objects around them. We have object lessons to share with them. And taught by customs. We should be keeping customs, such as the Sabbath, and teach them from that about entering God's rest and his sanctification through, um, through Christ. So it says here, fictitious reading should be discarded. And we should refuse profane writings and shun false sciences. Teaching the word of God in the home as God directs will make the home as the days of heaven upon earth. All right, let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for your instructions of how to prepare children to best serve you and to have a, an impact in the world and to help them to grow up strong and wise and our homes to be a little heaven on earth. I pray for those who are here with me today that they may have gotten a blessing from this and found at least one thing that they can apply. I thank you, Lord, in your name. Amen. Okay, my friends, I'll see you in the morning. And tomorrow morning, this is the last study on the family. Then we'll go to a different study. 
This is the fifth commandment of honoring the parents and the promise that goes with it. Then we'll, we will begin a study on prayer and quite a few studies on prayer. But we'll see you in the morning.